So if you have your Bibles, electronic devices, you can click to or turn to with me to Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Uh, today we're going to look at Joseph. So over the last many, many weeks, we've been taking, I've been taking uh, Old Testament, New Testament uh, people and doing a biographical quick sketch of their life and then applying some things to our life. And so now that we're in the Christmas season, I thought it would be healthy and wise uh, to look at the life of Joseph, and the next week we'll look at the life of Mary. And so this week we're looking at the life of Joseph, even though uh, Mary's life is intertwined with his life. Uh, we're going to take some principles out of Joseph's life, and I think we'll be able to apply them to our life. Here's the interesting thing about this. When you look at Mary and Joseph, and when you look at their story, you realize the, 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 the time in which Jesus was born, that there was a lot of similarities to the time in which we're living through. Uh, there was a lot of economic instability, political instability, religious instability. I mean, it was a crazy time. In, in fact, is when, when Jesus was about two years of age, if you'll remember, Herod was concerned about this Messiah that was coming. He was threatened. So as a result of that, he passed an edict that he wanted all boys two years and, and younger to be killed. And they had to, they had to flee for their life. So, so when you look at Jesus and Mary's time, you realize that there's a lot of similarities to what we're walking through now. And so I think it's easy to pull some principles out of their life into the, the culture in which we're in now. Now listen, depending on who you read from, some will say that we've walked through five, maybe six major storms together. Over the last year and a half, over the last 20 months, we have faced about five or six major storms together, uh, depending on how you divide that out and who you read from. In, in my mind, when I heard it was a year and a half, I thought, wow, it seems like five years, right? It seems like we've been in this for five years. And so when you look at the major storms, you realize that first we had a global pandemic, and then we had a global recession, and now we're faced with like record in, uh, we had a global recession, and now we're faced with like record inflation, which is like affecting a lot of us when we just look at the price of gas and meat and some other things, groceries and electricity and some other things. We face global racism. We face political incivility. It just seems like nobody can be civil anymore. That we're just yelling at each other, screaming at each other, talking over each other, blaming and scapegoating and everything else that's going on. And then now then we have even social instability to where we see riots and we see school shootings or mall shootings or crime is going up. And so we look at this and we have social instability. And that's only in a one-and-a-half-year period, Right. Now listen, depending on how you entered that, we all entered this together, but depending on how you entered that, in other words, if you entered this season of your life to where your emotional reserves, your emotional tanks were already pretty full, right? You weren't facing even any major personal crisis. Life for you was going pretty good. And then now you've walked through this year and a half period and you may be doing, you may be doing okay, you may be a little tired. You may have some fatigue. You may be a little stressed with everything that's going on, but you're doing okay. But if you entered this one-and-a-half-year period and your emotional reserves are already down, your spiritual reserves are already down, and you're already facing personal crisis, or maybe within the 20 months you face some personal crisis, then you may would say, you know what, I'm, I'm kind of struggling right now. I mean, this is, a little bit of a, this is a little bit of a difficult season. I think there's a lot that we can learn from Joseph's life and a lot we can learn from 
his relationship with others and his relationship with, with Mary. Joseph was this guy that, I mean, he, he was a unique individual. Joseph was this guy that he had his, his, his life all mapped out. He had his life. He was one of these driven guys, and he wanted to honor God with, with every area of his life. And so he had his life mapped out, and he had his life planned, and, and all of a sudden his plans were dramatically changed. And maybe you would say, you know what, in this one-and-a-half-year period, you know what, this isn't how I, I saw my life happening. Maybe, maybe you've had some plans that were dramatically changed. And when you look at Joseph, Joseph was this guy that, that just wanted to honor God. And he wanted to honor God with his relationships. When he looked at his life, he realized that, that he was honoring God in every area of his life through his courtship and then through his engagement with Mary, that they had remained sexually pure. Joseph was this guy that was not a talk-to-talk guy. He was a walk-to-walk guy. Joseph walked out his faith in every area of his life, whether it was personal life, whether it was in church, whether it was corporate life. And Joseph, more than anything, wanted to honor God with his life. And so Joseph was this guy that had his whole life planned out. And then to his shock, it, Scripture says that it was discovered that, that Mary, the one that he was engaged to, is, is pregnant. The Scriptures only tell us that it was discovered. We don't know how Joseph found out. We just know that Joseph found out. Can you imagine his shock that all of his plans had dramatically changed and he had been honoring God in every arena of his life and he thought Mary had been doing the same thing. But then he has a conversation with Mary and Mary convinced him and told him that she has not been with another man, that this is a, this is a God thing. Can you imagine? Just, just put your place self in Joseph's position. Can you imagine his shock, his hurt, his disillusionment? To he realize that everything he had hoped for and everything he had planned had dramatically changed. And when you look at Joseph, Joseph, Joseph kept his head in, in his situation. And Joseph not only had spiritually maturity, but he had emotionally mature. Listen, for you and I to have spiritual maturity, we have to have emotional maturity. The way we handle relationships, the way we handle conflict, the way we handle our, our conversations. And, and when you look at Joseph, he not only had spiritual maturity, but he had emotional maturity. He didn't lash out at Mary. He didn't accuse her of a lot of things. And I have enormous respect for Joseph. So let's just pick up the story. We'll read the story in its entirety, and then, and then I'll give you three things. How's that? So Josh, uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Then the birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered. Before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord excuse me, through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant. She will give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel. This is important, which is translated God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her, but did not have sexual relationship with her until she gave birth to a son, and he named him 
Jesus. So I want to give you three principles, three things this morning that if you would like to navigate through this season, if you would like for your life to honor God, or if you would like for God to be able to use your life, then there's three things, just like Joseph, there's three things that we have to, to apply to our life. The first one is this, is you have to be ready to be used by God. You have to come to the place to where you're willing to be used by God. You're ready to be used by God. This isn't something that happens automatic in your life, and this isn't something that happens automatic in my life. This is a willful decision that you and I have to make, that we have to come to the place and you say, you know what, God, in the season in which you uh, planted me, in the season in which I'm living, God, I want you to use me. I want you to use me in my home. In Joseph's case, I want you to use use me in my home, my community, my neighborhood, uh, my school, my place of business, the office, the job site. God, I desire for you to use me. In other words, you and I can waste our life if we're not careful. And God desires to use each one of us. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 19, again, the scripture says of Joseph, so her, so her husband Joseph, being a righteous man, not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. That's a rare individual, right? I mean, Joseph is hurt. And Joseph feels betrayal. And yet the scripture says that he did not want to disgrace her publicly. If you're going to navigate through this season, you're going to have to learn to show grace to yourself and grace to others. You're going to have to learn to be kind to yourself and kind to others. When you look at Joseph's life, you realize that Joseph was this guy that even in his hurt and his disillusionment and his pain, and he had to feel some betrayal at that moment, he decided, you know what, with my wife, I don't want to disgrace her publicly. And and as a result of that, I'm going to divorce her secretly so she at least still saves face in the the community. If you're going to walk through this season in a healthy way, because if we're honest, if we're honest, all of us, regardless of how much emotional energy we had in our tank before we entered this season, we could all say at times we're we're running a little bit low, right? And where you learn and I learn to show grace to myself and grace to others. In other words, where you treat yourself the same way that God treats you. How does God treat you? God forgives you. God shows kindness to you. God shows mercy to you. How should you treat yourself with grace and kindness? What I find a lot of us, we can say some really unkind things to ourselves. We can be pretty unforgiving of past mistakes or decisions. Here's what I'm learning in this season. When, 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 I, when I just remember, when I'm out in the community and there's supply chain issues and there's staffing issues and there's people with a lot of... When, when I just remember that most people are doing the best they can under the circumstances, it changes my perspective. It changes my perspective of people that I come in contact with, of people that I do life with. When I just come to the place, listen, if we're just willing, if we're just willing... To learn to accept people for who they are and not who we wish they were. We just don't go around trying to change everybody. That we just understand that in this season, this season can be difficult for every one of us. 
And when you look at Joseph, the scripture says that Joseph was a righteous man. And that doesn't mean that he was perfect, and that doesn't mean that he was without sin. But what that does mean, that definition of righteous is a right standing with God and right standing with fellow man. Right standing with God and right standing with the people around you. That's why Paul said this. Paul says, my desire is to live at peace with everyone. As far as it depends on me, it doesn't mean you'll live at peace with everyone. It just means as far as it depends on me. The words that I use, the things that I say, my act, as far as it depends on me, I'm going to do the very best I can to live at peace with everyone. Now, if you're not familiar with the culture, it may confuse you that it took a certificate of divorce for Jerry, uh, for Jerry, that's his middle name, so <laughs> <laughs> that's COVID flaring up, I told you. <laughs> I don't even know where Jerry came from. We need to move on. I think someone said this owner of the Cowboys. That could be it. I don't know. <laughs> Joseph. And so if you're not familiar with the culture of the, of the New Testament, that, that the process was there was a courtship, then there was a two-year engagement period that, that you were actually referred to as husband and wife. You didn't live together yet, or you, you, you may in, in, in a parent's home or whatever, but... Uh, and then, and then in that engagement period, you still were not married, but in that ga engagement period, if you were to separate, it took a certificate of divorce. And so that's what he's doing. He's deciding, you know what he's doing? He's hurt, but he's emotionally, spiritually healthy, and so he, he doesn't want to disgrace her publicly. I mean, he's not jumping on Twitter and telling everybody what she's done to hurt him and hashtag, she broke my heart. You know, she, he is not going on Facebook. He's not going on Instagram. He's not shooting a TikTok video so that everybody knows what Mary has done to hurt him. Listen, it is a rare person, right? It is a rare person that when that individual is hurt and when that in individual is disrespective, that they don't go around trying to let everybody know what that other person did to them and how that other person betrayed them and how that other person hurt them. And when you look at Joseph, you realize that Joseph is this rare individual. And Joseph is emotionally mature and he's spiritually mature. And so you, you find in this scripture that he was a righteous man. He's in righteous stand, right standing with God, and he's in right standing with, with, with others. G, uh, Joseph had this ongoing relationship with God. And so the key, listen, the key is just be willing just to walk with him and desire him to use you in your marriage, in your relationships, in your church, and in your community. The second thing is this, that if you want to navigate through this season like Joseph, then you have to be receptive to God's voice. It's not only coming to the place to where, to where you're ready for God to use you, but, but you're, re, you're just receptive to God's voice. In other words, you put yourself in a position to where you can, you can hear from him. Joseph was in this position that he, he could hear from God. And so one of the things that I've, I've learned in this season in my life, and maybe it will help you, is to start refueling my soul at the start of the day and at the end of the day. And you may ask, well, what is your soul? It's your mind, body, and spirit. It's the whole person. It's who you are. And you have to remember that your soul has to be refueled the same as your mind and your body. It's not just your, you're not just your mind. 
you're not just your body or you're not just your soul. That we're made up of three. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. So there's three parts to us. And we have to realize that in this season, that our soul needs to be replenished. And so I start each day and I end each day replenishing my my. My, my, my soul. In other words, you come to the place to where you just, you just, take, care of your, you just take care of yourself. Just the same way that your, that your, your body uh, needs to be refueled, your soul needs to be refueled, and that is daily, and to where you start and end each day refueling your soul, to where you learn, listen, you learn to take care of yourself. Even in a marriage relationship, right, in a healthy marriage relationship, there's things that we do for one another. There's things that we do for one another to take care of one another, protect one another, to provide for one another, to encourage. There, there's things that we do for one another. But there's some things that even in a marital relationship that you can only do for yourself. And you're the only one that truly can take care of yourself. I mean, you're the only one that can truly take care of how healthy you are emotionally and spiritually. By how much do you eat or how much, how much do you exercise and how much do you take care of yourself, your emotional health, your spiritual health, how much scripture do you read, do you enter into worship, do you follow God, are you close to him, are you receptive to his voice? And so one of the things that I do is just, it's just this first word and last word that it's just the way that I remember it. It's God's first word in the morning and God's last word to me at night. God's last word to me at night is something that I've added in this season that has just really helped not only me but my wife as we've navigated through this season just as many of you have along with some personal crisis and some family crisis, uh, health crises with my daughter that, that we've just had to learn. And when you look at Joseph, you realize that Joseph was this guy that heard from God. And Joseph was this guy that was receptive to God's verse. It says, voice, and it says in verse 20, it says, but after he had considered these things, so he was, he was reading through the Old Testament scrolls, probably in Isaiah, Isaiah 7, 14. We'll understand that later. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, saying Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what, she, what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to a son, and you're going to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now, all this took place, <coughs> excuse me, to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant, give birth to a son. They will name him Emmanuel, which is tra translated God with us. And when, when Joseph woke up, <coughs> he did as the Lord's angel had commended him. He married her, but he did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son, and she named him Jesus. And so you look at, you look at Joseph's life, and, and I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but you look at Joseph's life, and Joseph decided how he was going to handle the situation. Here's what makes sense to me. I'm, gonna, I, I'm not going to disgrace her publicly. I know her. She's a wonderful person. I loved her. I was engaged to be married to her. So I'm not, listen, I'm not, it makes sense. I'm not going to disgrace her publicly. I'm going to divorce her secretly, and that's what I'm going to do. And then God's first word to him came in the morning. And he's reading through Isaiah, and the angel of the Lord speaks to him, and it changed. It changed what he was doing. Have you ever had a situation in your life that you have decided this is how I'm going to handle the situation? 
This is what, 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 what would be best. This is what would be good. This is how I'm going to handle the situation. And then all of a sudden, you're life journaling. All of a sudden, you're reading through Scripture. You hear a sermon or whatever. And all of a sudden, it's like God spoke to you through his word. And it's all of a sudden, you know what? I can't handle it like that. Here, here, here's how I'm going to handle this situation. I, I'll never forget this. is like many years ago. That before we start an, an elders meeting with our elders of our church, we, we life journal together. So it's just a systematic way of reading through the Scripture, uh, once through the Old Testament, twice through the no, New Testament in the year. And you pick, your, you, you pick your Scripture, your observation, your application, your prayer. And so many of you do that along with us. And so every month when we do elders meeting, before we do church business, we spiritually have a conversation and connect. And an elder was sharing, and an elder said, you know what, there was a situation in my life, he explained the situation, and I decided how I was going to handle it. And, it, it, and, and I, felt it, I felt it was a good way, and it was a good way. And he explained that. And he says, but then, but then I was reading Scripture, and, and it was just like I heard the voice of God through the Scriptures, and I says, no, here, here's a better way. Here's how I need to handle this situation. And he talked about how it blessed. It blessed his wife and it blessed his family. When he sat down with them and he was just honest and he just said, this is how it's going to handle the situation. But, but God spoke to me in his word. And has that ever happened to you? Where you've decided this is how I'm going to handle the situation. And it wasn't sin. It wasn't wrong. It was good, but it wasn't best. Can can I tell you, sometimes the most difficult things to navigate through is discerning from a good decision to a best decision. A good decision to God's decision. And this was Joseph. And so Joseph decided, you know what, this is how I'm going to handle it. And God spoke to him. Joseph was, was close enough with God. when he, he knew it was God's vo voice, one, because he had been with God, spent enough time, he knew what God's voice sounded like. But the second thing is, it agreed with Scripture. Joseph knew the Old Testament. He knew the prophet Isaiah and the things that the prophet Isaiah had said. And it agreed with Scripture. Uh, God will never ask you, God will never lead you to do something that's against Scripture. And so Scripture could confirm it. Joseph was this guy that walked with God. Here, here's, what I've, here's what I've thought about a lot is my wife and I, we, we go on walks together. It's just one of the things that we do in the evenings. It's just a really great way to catch up on the day and kind of connect. And so, so we go on walks together. And so if we don't walk close enough together, guess what? We can no longer hear each other's voice. And if you don't walk close enough with the Lord, the Lord can be speaking to you and you not even hear it. You not even discern it. But Joseph was this guy that walked close to him. And in Matthew chapter 1, verse 22, it says, Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. So who's he talking about? He's talking about the prophet Isaiah. 700 is crazy. You can read it for yourself. 750 years prior to Jesus, the prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament writes about the coming of the Messiah, how he was going to be born. Who, what family he was going to be born into. I mean, in specific detail, all the way out to going to the cross and being crucified and died and sinless and all of those things. I mean, it is prediction of the coming of the Messiah in a very detailed fashion. Nobody could have predicted those things. It would be like you and me trying to predict who's going to win Super Bowl 852. 
And you couldn't just predict the winner. You'd have to predict not only the winner, but then you'd have to be able to specify who the quarterback was going to be and who the coach was going to be and how many touchdowns and what is the score and interceptions and completions and all of those other things. It would be to that same detail as Isaiah. And so he knew the prophet. Isaiah chapter 7, 14, here's what Isaiah said. Therefore, the, the Lord himself will give you a sign and see the virgin will conceive and have a son and name him Emmanuel. Listen, this is why this is just why it's so important. For you and I to study our scriptures, to, for you and I to study the Bible, so we're familiar with the stories. We know this is why Bible study is so important, because God wants to fulfill those promises in your life. There's 352 promises of scripture for you and for me, and you may never know what they are unless you study the scriptures, unless you open up the scriptures for yourself. And Joseph was this type of guy that started the day, and he ended the day, God's first, the first word for him in the morning was from the Lord. The last word was from the evening. There's a, there, there's a psalm that, we're, that Karen and I are praying right now that at the end of our day, Psalm 4, 4 8, it's not going to come up on the screen. This is just like for free. But we pray this psalm that just simply, that just simply says, I will both lie down and sleep in peace. For you, our Lord, is our God. God, and you will allow us and protect us to live in safety. It's God's last word in the evening to us. When you look at Joseph's life, he works, he walks so closely with the Lord. Instead of worrying about the future, Joseph worshiped. Instead of panicking the unknown, he reminded himself that God is God and he is not, and he can trust him. To where Joseph was this guy, when he had questions, he knew he could trust. The third and the last thing is this, is you have to come to the place to where you're just responsive. You're responsive to God's will. It's not only being receptive and, and to his will and hearing his will, but it is being responsive to him. When God asks you to do something, he does it. This issue of first word and last word, I'm just telling you, it's just so, so important. In fact, is just last week, I was listening to an interview that Denzel Washington, the actor, uh, was given an interview with, with someone, I don't remember what show, and I don't even remember who, who was conducting the interview, and actually I read it, I didn't see it. And there was an article written about this, and so they were, they were talking to him, because he's at that stage of life, they were asking about his legacy, and what kind of legacy does he want to leave. And so Denzel Washington says, well, i, I got to let you know something. My daddy was a Pentecostal preacher. And so I, w I was raised in church. And a number of years back, I promised my grandmother, she's still alive, 92 years old. He said, I promised her that I would leave a legacy of honoring God with my life. And so he says, one of the things that I've learned, he says, and he, and he, and he had a Bible, and he, and he says, one of the things that I, I have learned is um, I read Scripture first thing in the morning, last thing at night. And so what I, what I do is, and he says, you may think this is weird, but this is just for me. But he said, what I do is, is I take my Bible in the evenings before I go to bed. And after I read it, I take my Bible and I, and I shove it under my bed as far as I can shove it. And they kind of laughed and said, well, that's a weird practice. He goes, oh, no, not at all. Because that next morning when I, when I wake up, and for me to read my Bible, I have to get on my knees to get my Bible. It forces me on my knees. 
And it is on my knees that I read my scripture. And then in the evening, when I read that psalm, as I close my day, last word, you know what I do? I am on my knees because I'm about ready to take that Bible and I'm going to push it under my bed so that I have to start my day out. That's Denzel Washington. Joseph was this type of guy. Joseph was this type of guy that understood what it meant, God's first word and second word, and, and he was responsive to, to God's will. Two times in the scriptures, uh, God speaks to him in a dream, and both times he responds. The first dream, 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 the angel told him, God told him to take Mary home to be his wife and that she would have a son and he would name him, he would be the Messiah. And you see Joseph immediately does that. Verse 24, when, when Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord's angel commanded him, and he married her. Even when he didn't understand God's plan, he trusted. Listen, there is a plaque, a big plaque. that It's a replica that I bought a number of years back right before we went into this pandemic that I just need to be reminded of this. You may know the story. You may not know the story. But, but in, the, in the Holocaust, there was a man, uh, one of the survivors, Eli Wenzel. And Eli Wenzel was, was, was in, a, in a room with, 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 with other Jews where they held him. And he was one of the guys that successfully survived the Holocaust um, with, with, with unbelievable faith. When they, when they went into to Auschwitz and they were, they were clearing out all the rooms and everything, they came to Eli Wenzel's room. And Eli Wenzel had sketched on the side. In fact, as you can actually see it, if you go to a Holocaust museum, I saw it in Israel, but you can actually see this to this day. And so they cut this out, and here's what he etched in the side of his cell. He said, I believe in the sun even when it is not shining. I believe in love even when I cannot feel it. And I believe in God even when he is silent. And Joseph was this type of guy that just, just trusted God even when he didn't understand God's plan. The second time the, 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 the Lord spoke to him, it was after Jesus was born, and, and Herod, because he was threatened by this Messiah that people would worship him instead of Herod, Herod put out an edict that all children two years and younger uh, would be put to death. And here it is, Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. After they were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Get up, take the child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to kill him. So he took him, took the child and his mother during the night and escaped to Egypt. He stayed there until Herod's death so that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled. Out of Egypt I called my son. When you look at Joseph's life, he trusted God. Matthew chapter 125 says, And he did not have sexual relations with her, Mary, until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. Now listen, that's not shocking in our culture, right? That it wasn't named after, he wasn't named after his dad. But in Jewish culture, they always named, the firstborn male took the name of the dad. Should have been named Joseph or, or Jerry. But he broke with tradition, and he named him Jesus, Emmanuel. Can you imagine the whispers behind Mary and Joseph's back? 
He didn't prove he was the Messiah till about 30 years later when he went to the cross for the forgiveness of our sins and he died. And for 30-something years, Joseph just trusted God even when it didn't make sense. And he named him Jesus Emmanuel, God with us. And you know why that is so important? Because it's a reminder to you and it's a reminder to me that guess what? Even in this pandemic, even facing five or six major storms, guess what? God is with us. We may not understand it from time to time. Our emotional tanks and spiritual tanks may become low, but we can know this. God is with us. Now listen, culture and society will tell you that there are many ways to, to God, right? That God is like up on top of this mountain and it doesn't matter which path you take. You can take any path that you choose. As long as you make your way up to the top of the mountain, then you can have a relationship with him. But I need to let you know this morning, that is not the God that we worship. Our God doesn't sit on top of a mountain and say, hey, it's up to you to get to me. You have to struggle. You have to fight. You have to figure out how to make your way up to the mountain to get to me. You know what our God does? Emmanuel, God with us. Ours is the God that doesn't just come off, he- uh, just come off a mountain. He comes out of heaven, and he comes down, and he's our Messiah. Emmanuel, God with us so that we can have salvation when we accept him his sacrifice for us on the cross. That's what the Christmas season is about. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes?